A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. Happy to be with you, even on this rainy morning. Today it is going to be a rainy day with a high of 60 degrees. But tomorrow will be back to sunny skies with a high of 75. And Wednesday there will be a high of 76 degrees. Thursday through Saturday will be partly cloudy. However, it'll be high 70s, so still some really good warm weather for the end of the summer season. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, has more weather details coming your way a little later. Farm team member Stephanie Hoff talked to Eric Might with the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Cooperative for an update on the sheep industry. Also coming up, we hear from Suzanne Fanning with Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin on the Great Share and Pair Tool. These are all things that you don't want to miss, so don't touch that dial, don't change that station, and stick around with us on the farm radio. We're on mutual insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has a roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Well, Bob, even though those temperatures are starting to slip, I've still got the soft top on the Jeep because I love to take that down to smell the fresh cut hay as I make my way to and from the office. And we're making a lot of it this year in Wisconsin. I'm Stephanie Hoff from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Bob, when it comes to feed costs for 2022 and beyond, what what you do grow on farm becomes increasingly valuable. Is that what you learned? Well, that goes without saying, Stephanie. If we can raise it on the farm, it's a whole lot cheaper than buying it. And good alfalfa hay solves an awful lot of problems. Field days are prominent right now all over the state where we're going and looking at production levels and uh, how the growing season has been. We attended one of those along with uh, Randy Welch. And Randy is the alfalfa and forage agronomist with Cropland Genetics. And we talked to him about forages, specifically alfalfa. And while we talk about new genetics, new varieties, new machinery to handle the crop, one thing as we talked with Randy about, it's still managing the leaves and how many leaves you're putting up versus leaving in the field, determining the success of your alfalfa harvest. So we still need to think about the basics that alfalfa is made up of two very distinct components. And those distinct components are leaves and stems. And the leaves are very high in quality. The stems are lower in quality. Leaves are about 450 in relative forage quality. Stems are about 60 to 70 in forage quality. So if you think about that for a little bit, you go like it doesn't take very many leaves to hurt the quality. And when you start losing leaves, you hurt the quality quite a bit. And the stems are always easy to get back to the barn. They're easy to get back to the pile. It's the leaves that we need to start thinking and talking about. How do we get more of those back to the bunker silo, back to the dairy? Because when we start, the plant is 50-50 stem and leaves, but so many cases by the time we put it up and try and feed it, 
it's a long way from 50-50. What's causing that? Well, it's, it's all additive. So it could be diseases in the alfalfa. When the alfalfa first starts growing, uh, there could be diseases in there that cause leaf loss. So the use of fungicides might be an addition that a farmer might want to think about in his management scenario. And then the, these, these, lease, uh, these losses are all additive. So you got diseases, and then we may have a, a cutter, uh, may have a flail, flail cutter in there that's knocking some leaves off during the harvest process. And then we come in and we merge the alfalfa, which may be merged maybe when it's a little too dry. Uh, that can be a problem in the chopper itself. Uh, a, full, a chopper running full blast, uh, the head speeds uh, may be uh, too high and we may be threshing the leaves in the harvest process at the chopper. And then we're blowing that forage into a truck and we have all kinds of opportunities for that leaf to be basically lost and destroyed in the, the growing and the harvesting of the alfalfa. And a lot of these uh, choppers we're using now are, as you talked about uh, at a recent field day, you know, they're bought to chop corn silage. When you go in there and chop alfalfa, it's a completely different crop, and maybe we didn't adjust the, the speed. There's just all these little management scenarios that I think growers need to think about when they're raising, they're harvesting their alfalfa. And it's a mechanical piece, like I said. It's uh, managing the diseases. Uh, the chopper speed uh, head is uh, something we picked up here recently that we need to make sure that that head is slowed down or matches, matches the speed to the, to the windrow. So as the crop gets heavier, we'd want to slow that head down as the crop gets lighter and the chopper speeds up, then we can speed that head up. So there's lots of these little pieces we just need to start thinking about. And as we manage it, you're going to lose leaves. I don't care how good a manager you are, 10%. But when you start getting higher than that, say 30%, you're costing yourself a lot of production. We're, we're losing both, both quality, and a lot of farmers miss this, are losing yield. If you're losing 30% of your leaves, that's 30% of your yield, and it's the highest value part, part of the yield. So it's really important that we pay attention to this because it's both, uh, both quality loss and a yield loss. And, of course, uh, some of the challenges that we have, disease management, we talked about soil fertility, those are the keys. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've said really in the years that I've worked with alfalfa is that there's two things that really... Uh, cost farmers probably year in and year out and it's not getting good disease resistance in their varieties or choosing varieties that have good disease resistance then managing the soil fertility and the fertility piece because fertilizer got really expensive this last year farmers were uh, basically forced because of economics probably to cut back on some fertilizer inputs from for v various economic reasons but you know my general comment is the cows don't know uh, you know, what, what the price of protein is, and the, really the alfalfa doesn't know what the price of potash is. So if you need the nutrients, we still need to manage those. And, you know, the idea of soil sampling to, to manage that or tissue testing to help managing those, manage those nutrients is still really important in the, in the economics of, the, of, a, of a profitable farm today. And when you talk about the nutrients, of course, nitrogen fixes nitrogen, the alfalfa plant, but uh, the P and the K and the micronutrients. Yeah, so... Um, Potassium is probably the, the single most important nutrient for forage production. That applies to corn silage and alfalfa or really any forage crop. We take off about 50 pounds of potassium for every ton of forage that we, we remove. And then the other nutrients, of course, phosphorus is needed in alfalfa as well. We don't worry about as much phosphorus because we put manures back in our rotations. Uh, but if you are selling hay off from the farm or you're selling forages off the farm, you need to be very concerned about the phosphorus levels as they drop lower. Uh, you will lose yield. And then sulfur and boron. Sulfur 
does not fall out of the sky anymore. So we need to make sure we're harvesting, um, you know, having adequate amounts of sulfur. We have sulfur sources now that are available in the sulfate form and also elemental forms, but that sulfur is very important. And finally, boron. Boron is a critically important nutrient for alfalfa, used in very small amounts, but very important for alfalfa. So we only need just a little bit of uh, boron. You can apply that with your fertilizer, dry fertilizer material, or you can apply it with a foliar application. And as we, there's so much to alfalfa production besides some of the things we just talked about. Uh, and it's an important crop on our farms nowadays. We're getting to more commercial operators that are corn and soybean growers. But alfalfa has a real place in these rotations. Well, absolutely. And I think uh, there's, there's several things here. There's soil erosion. And if you look at the hillsides, you look at the hillsides that should not be in row crop and they should be in a more permanent crop like alfalfa, at least in three, three-year rotation, four-year rotation is really important. And the other really important thing is nitrogen credits. Uh, nitrogen credits for alfalfa is a big deal economically to farmers. I mean, if you think about an alfalfa crop that's rotated to corn is producing 130 to 140 units of nitrogen is coming back to that corn silage crop or that corn grain crop. It is a really important powerhouse if you think about the economics of alfalfa. And the story gets better yet. We actually pull some nitrogen for the second year, probably 30 to 50 units of N, the second year. So this is a very valuable crop to our dairy farms, a very valuable crop. Anybody that puts alfalfa in rotation is getting a real bump from the nitrogen credit that they get from alfalfa. But there are some challenges when you're going to put this in the rotation because of some of the products we use on our corn. And we've got some carryover that can cause problems from the corn and the soybeans for that matter, but uh, corn we get most of the news on. Talk about uh, that relationship. Yeah, so one of the things that I've seen in the, the, the last few years is I've worked with alfalfa here in the Midwest, in particular Wisconsin, is a lot of our producers are not paying close enough attention to the corn herbicide and the, or the soybean herbicide, sometimes the wheat herbicide, that goes on before they seed the alfalfa. And this is a problem because as we've ramped up our chemistries to control weeds like water hemp, which are more resistant to some of our common chemistries we've been using, one of the problems we've had is that we've ramped up these residual chemistries to control these more difficult weeds, and that's caused problems during alfalfa establishment. So there's a whole series of chemistries that are basic. If you read the labels very carefully, you'll, you'll see that sometimes the alfalfa labels are not maybe quite clear enough, if you will, on um, how long we should uh, wait before we seed alfalfa. In many of our cases, we've seen that um, uh, two years is needed before the, from the time that you apply that herbicide until we can plant alfalfa. Let's talk about the, the new varieties, the new chemistries, not necessarily new chemistries, but the new genetics that we've got. Uh, in, in cropland, you were talking to the field day again about uh, AA, and you said it's not awesome alfalfa. AA is very important in the name of these products. Yes, yeah, so the AA is absolutely awesome alfalfa. That's that's true. But it also stands for aphanomyces and anthracnose. Those are two diseases that cause problems for us potentially in alfalfa. Race race 3 is a new aphanomyces race that we're uh, basically uh, developing genetics. We have uh, genetics that are developed for resistance to race 3 or race EMR as it's actually technically called. But it's really this cocktail of new 
pathogens that are basically put together in this uh, selection of this new variety that's double A. And the other part of the A is for a disease called anthracnose, and that disease is race 5. And what soils do is they basically change over time, and as they change over time, these pathogens become more uh, deadly or more damaging to the alfalfa seedlings and the alfalfa plants. In the case of aphanomyces, it's a seedling disease that chews off the roots, the root hairs specifically, and it reduces water uptake and, and nitrogen fixation. And so that's a problem for the aphanomyces organism when you have wet soil, saturated soils, spring of the year, anytime that soil is saturated. And then the other disease is called anthracnose, and that's a stem and, and crown disease, and that disease actually affects the uh, stem and it'll actually go into what I call the pipeline, and it basically drills into the stem and then reduces the ability for the plant to capture sunlight, turn those nutrients into, into uh, products that the plant needs or, or nutrients that need to come out of the roots into the plant, and that stem actually dies and then eventually the root dies. So the, the, the reason that it's important to have double A is we get more alfalfa yield from those varieties that have good levels of disease resistance. And these uh, double A's aren't necessarily one size fits all. You've got different varieties for different kinds of production on the farm, whether it be dairy, whether it be feeding cows, whatever. Absolutely. So it comes in a full complement now from basically what we say, uh, the three dormancy, uh, four dormancy alfalfa, and five dormancy alfalfa here at, uh, in this part of the country. We have them in a Roundup version, and we also have them now in our Harv Extra version as well. So you can get double A and anything you want. Sweet Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta metal roof. S-W-I-T-A metalroofing.com. Sweeta metal roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Wisconsin Farm Bureau is an exciting organization because it has a plethora of opportunities for young farmers and agriculturists, specifically a young farmer and agriculturist program for members ages 18 to 35, where you can learn about leadership development, advocating for agriculture, and network with your peers. WFBF.com. You'll learn so much. A voice for farmers, a vision for agriculture, Wisconsin Farm Bureau. Trusting someone else enough to pack up your stuff for the big move usually doesn't happen. Our employees are like family and have been with us for a very long time. You can feel comfortable with them packing things up and moving them. This is Brenda from Mad City Moving. We call that the all-in-the-family move. Mad City Moving dominates any move. Their crew will handle your things well like your things deserve to be handled. Online at madcitymoving.com. Mad City Moving. You haven't seen moves like these before. Is why the kids from Wisconsin stay. It's a great way to start your day. That's right. Today is our Compere Financial Ag Weather Update with Stu Muck, Ag Meteorologist. Stu, people can still send in their farm talk text line rainfall reports at 877-301-3276. But looking right now, we've got 2.7 inches in Ashford and 4.9 in Evansville. What are you seeing? Oh, I've got amounts all over the place. Charity right there in Madison, 3.11. Then there's La Crosse, only 13 hundredths of an inch. Mauston, 75 hundredths of an inch. And then it picks up again. In fact, 2.73 officially at Fond du Lac. My friend John over in the town of Osceola, 
2.98. So rainfall amounts have really been adding up. Johnson Creek, 3.81. Low pressure, the upper system still just spinning. Southern Lake Michigan, lower Michigan. And of course, keeping rain all around Wisconsin, scattering from northeast through the north central into the west, over toward La Crosse and uh, Mauston, and down through the south, down into Illinois. That low just spins there to our east today, slowly pulling away. So additional rain amounts today could be up in another quarter to half inch adding up the better news is it starts to end and should even end by late today at lacrosse ending for the rest of us later tonight or by really early tuesday sunshine builds in good news then some more mild air returns those temperatures start to rise back up to normal or so in the lower even mid 70s by tuesday wednesday thursday that's going to make things grow, going to make us feel a bit better about what wrapped up being a very, very wet weekend, no doubt at all. And at least we do have several more dry days in store for those who are able to get back out in the cornfields with choppers. The better news looks to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's some small rain chances trying to edge in again ahead for the weekend. So we have to play that into factor. I'll have forecast details right after this. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. The only numbers that matter are the ones that add up to your success. In 2021 university trials, Dairyland Seed Silage racked up 272 top five finishes for tons per acre, milk per ton, and milk per acre. And when you got a whole lot of tonnage and a whole lot of milk, that adds up to a whole lot of success. And we're ready to show you the yield again this fall. To get updates on full 2022 silage performance results as they come in, visit DairylandSeed.com. Welcome back. Our Compure Financial Egg Weather Update with Stu Muck. Stu, what do you got for us today? Well, I need to mention that flood watch in effect until 1 this afternoon. Of course, Madison area, Dane County, including Lafayette, Iowa, Green, Rock, Columbia, Dodge, Jefferson, Washington, and into the southeast part of the state. Be prepared. Could be some heavy water in some spots. Still cloudy and rain around for a time today. Could end even late this afternoon at La Crosse or late today at La Crosse. Temps in the low 60s for a lot of us. Could be a little warmer at La Crosse with the north winds, though, 10 to 20, gusting near 30. Rain tapering off and ending in the south and east yet through late tonight. Skies clearing from west to east slowly. Low 50s overnight, north winds at 5 to 10. Sunny skies Tuesday, a lot of mid-70s, upper 70s, La Crosse, even Boston, northwest winds at 5 Tuesday, sunshine Wednesday, again, mid and upper 70s, warmest in the west, southeast winds 5 to 10. So just hold on to your raincoat, Charity. I think once we get through today, we start to see some improvement then as drier and warmer weather will return. Well, that's good because I keep feeling like I'm going back and forth. It feels like a fall day. All of a sudden, it feels like a spring, like um rainy day then it goes back to summer i'm just not sure how to feel right now <laughs> well it's, it's that time of the season but the good news is it's going to get better perfect well we'll catch up with you tomorrow Stu. thanks so much you bet have a great day once again that was Stu muck our ag meteorologist with your monday morning compere financial egg weather update and remember you can always text into the farm talk text line your rainfall reports at 877 
888-382-3276. We've got more news coming up right after this. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You wear the same size, you do the same workout, yet her butt is high and tight. And let's face it, she's smoking hot. While you're just another sweaty Betty, what you don't know is while you're putting in extra time grunting it out at the gym, she is relaxing poolside. And why? Because she comes to Carbon World Health for FDA-approved M-Sculpt treatments. Her butt is a work of art because this technology is state-of-the-art. CarbonWorldHealth.com How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age-related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. Hi, it's Preston from Window World. Summer is here, and with it, the hot air. Don't let other companies add to it. We won't lure you in with buy one, get one, or half-off installation. Not Window World, not ever. We offer a no-pressure consultation with straightforward, fair pricing. None of that, if you sign today, or let me call my manager nonsense. Window World. Professionally installed at an everyday low price. In the field, the right partner can make all the difference. One that's dependable, straightforward. And is there when you need them. That's LG Seeds. From our hybrids and soybean varieties to our service and support, reliability is in everything we do. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Tracti LLC, a leader in steel buildings, is growing and now adding to their team. 
Tracti is now hiring builders and electricians. You work at the same place every day and you rarely have to fight the elements. Schedules are stable and pay is competitive. Enjoy a tool belt full of benefits including medical, dental, paid vacation, holiday, and more. Join Tracti now and receive a $2,500 sign-on bonus. Apply in person or online at T-R-A-C-H-T-E-U-S-A.com. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. My folks like the prices and the In the agricultural world, we have equipment to put the seed in the ground, take it all the way through its growing season, and put it in the bin. I would definitely recommend Ziegler. The equipment they sell and service is amazing. They care about you, they care about your businesses. They're there to help you, and that's their number one job. Whether you're a large farm, small farm, Ziegler has the equipment that's gonna take care of you and fit your needs, and the support and people to back it up. Reliability is everything, so that's why I choose Ziegler. For agriculture equipment, ZieglerAg.com. I have no problems or, uh, you know, qualms or anything about Elton Jenkins coming back. Everything's been pointing for him to come back. Correct. I still am a little leery on one David Bakhtiari to see how he actually plays. Rowdy, when's the last time we saw Bakhtiari play? Well, it was the, the Detroit game. And it was for it was what, the very like last 17? game of the season when we also few, saw Jordan Love play. A few snaps, if that. No, he played like a half. Did he? Okay. And then... I mean, are we thinking Bakhtiari is going to be no, back to his all-pro level? Because he played like a full half, and that was where they kind of uh, they played all the starters for a half, and it, it just looked like something normal, right? Like, yeah. hey, they are beating up on the Lions early here. Rodgers is getting out of the game. Bakhtiari looked good. Let's get him out of the game. Well, then after the game, they were saying he was having knee soreness. He was having uh, fluid on the knee, and that this was actually not a good thing. Like, <laughs> He's coming out yeah, because he's hey, this, this isn't good. I think if you watch it optics-wise, you didn't think that that's why they were taking out David Bakhtiari. You thought he was coming out with the starters like everyone else. Yeah. But like I've been saying, it sounds like I don't have his medicals, but it sounds like it's nothing structural. There's nothing wrong with his ACL or his knee. It's all it's fluid, fluid related. And yeah. when that fluid builds up pain and builds tolerance. up, it becomes painful. Pain and how tolerance. much pain can you go through? But then there's another thing where it's like, hey, you go year after year after year and you can't get rid of this fluid and you have to keep getting it drained and you continue to have pain in it. At some point, you just got to say, yeah. this is what my knee is. You should just take a like a drain in there and just leave it. Toradol? Oh, a drain. Sorry. <laughs> hey. I thought you were talking about painkillers. Toradol it up. <laughs> yeah, just let's, I know it's terrible for the body, but just, yeah, just, just, just jam a full of Toradol. It. Yeah, Rowdy, you're totally right. It's like... It, it's pain tolerance, or eventually you got to ask yourself, am I going to be as good as I once was, Toby Keith, as an all-pro? Or, or as I'll ever be. Or as I'll ever be, or as my career has just come to an end, which yeah, would be and I think terrible. It, I think this is the year that makes or breaks David Bakhtiari, because if he can play through the pain and they can figure out how to get it drained and how to like take care of it, keep it's, all the inflammation down, then he's probably going to be serviceable pretty good for the next couple of years. But if he has to go through you know, getting it drained once every couple of weeks yeah. or... He, you know, his knee is so swollen by the time he gets done with the game and it's killing him. He can barely walk by the time they come back to the facilities. It's like, that's not going to, how many more years would he want to actually physically do that? I wouldn't imagine long. 
That'd be that. That'd be. And tough. he had the weird comment to I think it was Rob Demosky where he's like, "Hey, you know, I'm going to try and and get through this season. We'll see if I can." <laughs> like that on its surface, when he says, "I'm living a nightmare," and he hasn't really talked about that again, and then he's telling Demosky where he's like, "Yeah, I think I can figure out how to get through a season." Yeah, that's not good. Normally, people that don't describe their upcoming year as I'm I, I, going to try to get, get through, through this. The season. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard anyone describe an NFL season like that that wasn't like badly injured. Well, do you yeah. remember? Um, Some people describe their work days as like that. Uh, do you remember a guy that today. used to be a stud? He used to play <laughs> for the Rams, um, running back. Todd Gurley. Oh, oh yeah. Knee issues. Guy yeah. was absolute beast. Yeah. In Georgia, stud. He was probably even better than Nick Chubb in Georgia. And then what happened? Remember when he wasn't used at all in the, was it the Super Bowl? Knees. Well, that this is or the other leading thing. up to the Super Bowl. He was an absolute stud for the Rams yeah, when he's he a was phenom. young. And then he started having the knee problems. And do you remember? No, he's gone. He, I think he had his knee drained and he had some fluid on his knee and he couldn't shake it. And if you remember, they quit using him, like you were saying. Yeah. And then they all of a sudden. They stopped using him. They're like, what's up with Drew Gurley? Like, no, he's fine. And he had that huge contract he just signed. Yeah, yeah. Well, they kept looking at his knee because it was never right again after all that. Well, it turned out that he had a. I think they did diagnose it as like a degenerative knee yeah, yeah, where he just had old knees. He had bum knees. There wasn't anything you could do about it. He was just done. Sounds like he needs QC Kinetics regenerative medicine. <laughs> he just has old knees. I just love that. He just has old knees. Like uh, like your guy Greg Oden. Had old knees. Well, well he's just, he also had an old face. Yes. I think he's, that was a Benjamin Button thing going on there. I remember watching. I think like, Greg Oden's like the his, living Benjamin Button. His first game against Wisconsin, and he had a dunk. And when and he goes to do like the primal scream after, and it's like you see this old looking dude at all. Ah, like, ah. And I think he wasn't screaming because of the dunk. I think he was screaming because his knees hurt. <laughs> his like, ah, his nah. knees just blew up. Nah. Well, have you heard from Todd Gurley since? No, he hasn't. He's uh, played since twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. Because his knees are shot. Yeah, he is not retired, but it sounds like teams have reached out to him, but he said nah because he got old knees. The old knee syndrome. And it's unfortunate, but especially when it rains, they really hurt. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The Wisconsin Sheep and Wolf Festival was held this past weekend, September 9th through the 11th. It offered a total of 91 classes that ranged from Appalachian earth broom making to beginning spinning to cold process soap making and so much more. The Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival ranks as one of the major venues in the country for fiber arts education and provides the public with the opportunity to view the full spectrum of the sheep industry. Farm team member Stephanie Hoff caught up with the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Cooperative. Take it away, Stephanie. A beautiful start to the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival before the rain started falling on Sunday. The gentleman collecting tickets said that Friday's attendance actually appeared to be more than last year's first day of the show. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. While I was at the Wisconsin Sheep and Wool Festival, I caught up with Eric Might. He's with the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Cooperative. He tells me we're getting into a high demand season for lamb with holidays approaching. Uh, demand seems to be very strong. I think the grilling season helps us. People that eat lamb love to grill outdoors, tailgate, family get-togethers. 
And then, of course, you've got ethnic markets, which are very seasonal, but they are very big in parties. So that helps our industry a huge amount. Thank you to all the ethnic families that support the lamb industry. That is a very big part of our industry. But yes, the lamb market is very strong right now. Um, and again, it's consumer demand. Is the industry working to, to boost that at all? The industry does support uh, U.S. lamb. And obviously, we have competitors, Australia, um, to bring in lamb when we are short. Um, but we think, obviously, American lamb is superior. Um, it's not rode on a cargo ship, or um, but it's fresh. And anytime you see the American lamb or Wisconsin lamb product, it's fresh. Um, and again, that helps our industry and our product. Big challenge for all agribusinesses, specifically production agriculture, high input costs this year. How has the industry kind of been navigating that? Um, I think we're we're like every industry in, in agriculture. We're struggling a little bit with uh, input costs, um, especially fuel. Um, but I think the market and with sheep, uh, we can use products that are usually on not normally grazed. Um, cattle and sheep can graze, and I think that helps our industry. Um, we can get in spaces and graze, and that helps our input costs lower them. So uh, we've stayed pretty true to the market. Um, but again, we're like everybody. There's times we're struggling, but again. We are uh, we're strong and we can get through it and uh, we look forward to next year. When it comes to both sheep numbers and farm numbers here in Wisconsin, are you seeing the sheep grow, decline? What is that trend looking like? I think small flock numbers are growing. I think it's something that families can get into. Um, relatively, cost is, isn't too bad for lamb. Um, equipment is, again, not as much as cattle, and we love our cattle counterparts. But, uh, again, sheep are easier for kids to handle, so I think I see a lot of families get involved with it and then start to breed their own. I think the big industry is out west because the input costs are so high in the Midwest, especially Wisconsin. Um, But uh, we've got some larger flocks that we rely on to get product here steady year round, Um, but nothing like the uh, mountain states. Eric Might joining us from Whitewater. He's with the Wisconsin Sheep Breeders Cooperative. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFinn Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFinn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. 
Thanks to DeKalb, constantly innovating products and technology to maximize crop protection, production, and yields. And from Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Charity Seebecker. Looking at the Chicago markets, December corn is down two and a quarter cents at 682 and three quarters. November beans are up one and a half at 1413 and three quarters. December wheat is down four and a half at 865. On the dairy side of things, barrel cheese had no change and closed Friday at 193 and a quarter. 40 pound block cheese closed up six and three quarters at 191 and three quarters. And double A butter also closed up two and a quarter at 317. October class three milk contract is trading today at 2097 100 weight, up four cents. And November milk is trading at 2160 100 weight, that's up five cents. Coming up next, we have Suzanne Fanning with the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin on a new tool called Great Share and Pair. That's coming up here on this Monday morning. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Youngke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor line at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile, Chump Gill. And from the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. In the field, it's good to have a friend you can count on. One that's hardworking, trustworthy, and always shows up. Just like LG Seeds. Our corn hybrids and soybean varieties deliver consistent performance across all your acres, giving you reliable yield you can expect. Start this season right with LG Seeds. Talk to your local dealer or visit lgseeds.com for more information. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop? That's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. And from Equity Livestock Cooperative, marketing your livestock, financing your operation, and supporting the livestock community since 1922. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net, on Facebook and Twitter. Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Time to catch up with our friends from Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. Remember, that's the dedicated staff that uses your hard-earned checkoff dollars 
to promote research and uh, generally educate people about Wisconsin's dairy industry and the great products that we produce. Now, remember, it's uh, about more than just Wisconsin. It's about our presence not only outside the state in the Midwest, across the United States, but literally around the world. And the reason I set it up like that is because we're talking with Suzanne Fanning, who's the Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. And we're going to discuss a tool that you may or may not have had access to. It's called Great Pair and Share. And it's capitalizing on, I guess, what we call food fanatics. This is something you and I discussed during the pandemic, Suzanne, after the pandemic. People became exceptionally focused on good food, preparing it, sharing it, and using that as almost a, a way to communicate. Tell me a little bit more about Great Pair and Share and what it is, what it tries to do. Yeah, absolutely. So Great Pair Share is our digital magazine and it's focused on delivering news about Wisconsin, teaching people about Wisconsin cheese, really providing education, inspiration, and storytelling. And it's one piece of our culinary content that we put out there. And the reason we're really focusing on that culinary content is because research shows us that the number of daily digital recipe users has doubled since 2021. In fact, 89% of American consumers are using digital recipes daily. So it's an incredibly powerful tool for food brands and retailers looking to reach new shoppers. You know, I think a lot of us were surprised at how people gravitated towards recipes. They really seemed to welcome the opportunity to be home and cook. But tell me about the audience that you're reaching with these digital recipes. Uh, you know, a lot of people already were doing that. There was a whole generation that had never even experienced cooking for themselves. That's absolutely true. And so what we're finding is, you know, that movement that sort of started during the pandemic with people cooking at home, you know, frankly, yeah. because they had to. Yeah. And, and then they rediscovered the joy of it. But then also because of inflation and some other problems that we're seeing out there, folks are still cooking at home. So it's still really, really strong. Uh, it's interesting to us because, again, we're, we're looking at the demographics. And for us, food fanatics, can be any age. What defines a food fanatic is, is the fact that they are a person who feels that great food is core to their identity. They want to know about the most obscure foods. They want to tell the story of the maker. They want to be the person who has the most beautiful table or the most beautiful dish when they go to a party. So, um, you know, but they can really be any age. And what's interesting about uh, recipes is that what we're seeing is that digital recipes are used by all generations. So they, they surveyed four different ages groups 18 to 29 30 to 44 45 to 60 and 60 plus and guess what each group makes up a quarter of the digital <laughs> recipe users I mean it was really surprising so it's really all in the way that you serve up that culinary content and we do it through TikTok and that's of course going to reach a young, younger demographic we've got Facebook we do it on Instagram for people who love to look at food porn we've got Pinterest so we serve up a beautiful picture and then have the recipe we write them up online for people who who are just going to Google a recipe. For folks who are in stores, we've got them printed at the point of sale. We focus on like videos. We have them in the magazine format. We email out newsletters. We do them on television. And we even put them on retailer sites. So that's a really important one because anybody who looks at that retailer site online can put the Wisconsin cheese directly into their cart. So it's a great tool for us to really drive sales of Wisconsin cheese. And like we said, it is all about Wisconsin cheese. And you mentioned earlier the great pair 
Share magazine. Now, that probably was a little bit of a gamble when it comes to was it going to find an audience? How do you make space for something new in an area that was already probably pretty mature? I mean, let's face it, that kind of thing is not necessarily a, a wide open, interesting market for everybody. You made the investment. Tell me about that. Ah, Pam, I love that question. And here's why. It's because we knew that Great Pear Share couldn't just be about the recipes. Because yes, I mean, you can find 20,000 recipes yes. easily for mac and cheese or li literally whatever you want to make. Yes. So we decided that we were going to pivot and we were going to make the magazine work a little bit harder for our brand, work a little bit harder for dairy farmers of Wisconsin. So we added in lifestyle. Like, what does life look like in Wisconsin? We added in stories of makers and like, what? what what are those bricks that Joe Widmer's using? What is rotational grazing that's happening to make that cheese at Uplands? We talked about places to visit in Wisconsin. So if you come and you go to Door County, where is the best place to buy cheese? Who's serving cheese? Let's look at some of the restaurants and some of the bars. We're telling stories of our cheese landians, people who are our biggest fans. And we're really teaching people how to entertain the Wisconsin way, which, you know, frankly, was a little bit risky <laughs> because like you said at the beginning, we are talking to people outside of the state. I mean, that is our target. We're trying to reach food fanatics outside of the state of Wisconsin. But um, what happened was pretty cool. Yeah, well, that's where I want to go next. What did happen? Because, again, uh, risk and reward is something our dairy farm families are familiar with. So what happened with that effort? We tripled in popularity. And not only that, Great Pear Share won one of the most prestigious publication awards, and we beat out Food and Wine Magazine as best culinary publication. Man. So, I mean, where we placed our bets was right, and food fanatics did want the inside story. In the past year, our, uh, our food, our Culinary content has reached over 11 million people, wow. so pretty huge. And we, we, we're at an all-time high with subscriptions to our culinary newsletter. Wow, that's incredible. So how often does it come out? When's the next issue? The next issue launches the week of September 13th, and it has a whole farm-to-table focus. I absolutely love this one. And just kind of going back to what we were talking about with, is it about the food? Is it about Wisconsin? Right. Is it about people? Um, we looked at it. We first had a cover that had, a, you know, a dish of food on it, which is it makes per perfect sense. But then we looked at some other shots that we had taken for the magazine, and we had gone to a dairy farm. We were inside a barn. We had set up a table with all of this great food. We had this long, long uh, box down the center that was just filled with cheeses and fruits and vegetables. It was our own Wisconsin version of, of the Thanksgiving yeah. cornucopia. And we said, let's feature that. So you're going to love it. It looks a little bit different on the front. I'm definitely making a box and putting it on in the center of my Thanksgiving table because it was absolutely lovely. So you'll see lots more things like that. So that one, like I said, comes out September 13th. But we do publish five issues of that magazine every single year harvest, holiday, winter, spring, and summer. So you can get it on wisconsincheese.com. You can get it on issue.com. And if you're really into recipes, I would suggest that you subscribe to our newsletter, which you can do right on our site, and we will send it to your inbox. Excellent. I am always amazed at you guys at Dairy Farms of Wisconsin. You set the bar and then you beat it again. 
this is going to be a tough bar to beat, Suzanne. <laughs> well, we have so many incredible things going on, just trying to make sure that we are delivering value for our dairy farmers out there. And you know, we're so excited that live events are back. And so that's kind of our next thing that we're getting back into. And we have some really magical live events planned. We recently did one in Sheboygan that was a farm to table event. It was right on Lake Michigan. Oh. We invited some uh, farmers, we invited some cheesemakers, and we invited a hundred of some of our, our biggest fans in the state, some of our cheese landians. And like I said, when I call it magical, like you can't even imagine what an incredible night it was just with dairy farmers in the spotlight, standing ovations for the dairy farmers, just great stories of Wisconsin and um, just something fantastic. So we're looking forward to getting back to more of those live events. We're also like really ramping up our video content. As you know, video is everything. Yeah. You're going to see some new fun TikToks coming out from us in a new style. And uh, what I'm really excited about is the fact that it is almost cheese giving. And I said that right, not just Thanksgiving, cheese giving, which is an annual holiday here. We have a virtual event and we have Cheeselandians all over the country. We're cooking a dinner together. Every single course features Wisconsin cheese. We might do like, a, you'll, you can tune in and see an appetizer made by folks in, in uh, California. You might see the side dish made by folks in Texas. You'll see uh, the main dish. Rachel and I will cook it right here in the office in front of everybody. And then maybe someone in Georgia is going to cook the dessert. So it's like a fun, live, kind of progressive dinner with, with fans all over the country. Oh, and now how can I get involved with that? I mean, seriously, I think a lot of us found that cooking via video and sharing that experience was kind of fun during the pandemic. How can people stay engaged in that conversation, Suzanne? If they've never experienced it, how can they get signed up? Give us some more details there. Well, you know, it depends on your level of involvement. If you just want recipes, if you're just looking for inspiration, you can go to wisconsincheese.com. Uh, if you are into social media, you can look for us on TikTok. You can look for us on Instagram. Again, it's Wisconsin Cheese. Pinterest, you can follow us. Mm -hmm. And if you are that person who is uber interested in cheese, that person who does feel like it's core to your identity, that person who wants to be in a community of cheese lovers and celebrate your love for Wisconsin cheese, then please go to cheeselandia.com and mm -hmm. sign up and you will be, you will be in it. You will be engaged. You will, you will meet other like-minded people and celebrate cheese together. If you've never experienced it, if you've never tapped into that resource, please do it now. Suzanne Fanning along with us. She's the Senior Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. You heard it in her voice. They respect the money that they're working with generated by our hardworking dairy farm families out there. They want to make sure every penny goes the farthest it possibly can and great payer share and all of its fans are an example of that.